So you're with us, the younger ones. Uh, uh, I believe Miss Carol is going to uh, be uh, covering your class today. So uh, you can head out if, you, if there's any of you left in here. And they may have already escaped. All right. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I love the book of Hebrews. I, I, uh, I've, read it, I've read it recently as of uh, back in, oh, during, during revival, I got back into the book of Hebrews and, and uh, just uh, spent some time there uh, reading uh, the book and studying it out. And I am thankful uh, for God's Word, and I'm thankful for this book. It's, it's a book that was written to the Jews. Now, uh, there's some debate as to who the author of, of Hebrews is. I believe it was the Apostle Paul. He doesn't claim authorship like he does in the other, the other, uh, uh, the other letters that he wrote, uh, but it's written in his style. Uh, others believe it was some other folks, but it doesn't, that, truly that doesn't really matter. What really matters is that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's, it's God's word to them and to us. Uh, so uh, it's written for us. And as we read through the first four, we don't have time to go through all of it, but if we would read through the first four chapters of the book of Hebrews, you, you see the person of Jesus Christ. It talks about who he is, his deity, his power, uh, uh, who he is. And it, it, it was done for a purpose, because if you remember, the Jews rejected Christ. Uh, uh, so uh, Paul had a heart to see the Jews saved. He had a, he, uh, in fact, uh, he said that he would, was even willing to give up his own salvation if it were possible to, to see them saved. Every time he went to a, a city, every time he went uh, to a different place um, to, to start a church uh, throughout his ministry in the book of Acts, you see that he always goes to the temple first. He always goes to the Jews first, and, and he preaches the gospel of Christ. And many times it was the Jews that chased him out. Some would believe and some would reject, but he had a heart for the people of God. Uh, Israel uh, was the chosen people of God, but the, their eyes were blinded. They're, because of their rejection, God opened the door of salvation to all of us. Amen? Uh, uh, if you're glad you're saved, uh, you're not a Jew, it's because of what happened when Christ turned to us. And, and th thank the Lord for that. But God can still save Jews. Tonight we're going to be, as you saw, Brother Ross is going to be here. Please come back for that. It will be an encouragement to you. I haven't got to hear his testimony yet, uh, but uh, I, I, I met him on Monday. Uh, my family went up to a revival. Uh, in, uh, in up in uh, Dover Foxcroft, and uh, and we were there at a New Life Baptist Church. Uh, there, the, the the folks that lent us the tent when we had our tent revival. That's the church, and, uh, and uh, they had a, a preacher there that I, I heard growing up. In fact, he was there the first time I preached, and so I wanted to go and see him. I hadn't seen him in 25 years, and, uh, uh, but Brother Ross was there, and uh, there was a pastor that had just had him, R.D. Dean. Um, I, the first time I'd met him, I'd heard his name several times, and I'd seen some things on Facebook and, uh, from him, but uh, uh, got to meet him, and they were just at his church, and he was telling me, you got to hear his testimony. And he says, he won't tell you his testimony until he's there. He goes, because I tried. He goes, but it's amazing. So come back tonight and hear his testimony. Uh, he was a Jew that's been saved. God, uh, and he's living in Jerusalem, or living in Israel now, and he's uh, he's uh, ministering uh, to the Jews. And because listen, while while God has, has closed the eyes of the nation for a period of time, God's still saving them. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. They uh, listen. Uh, they didn't reject Christ any more than the rest of the world did. 
right? So, so be praying for them, and let's, let's, uh, let's uh, come back tonight, if, if you're able to. I, I know that some aren't, are unable to, and I understand that. But, but anyways, Hebrews, chapter, Hebrews is written to the Jews, and he's opening their eyes, trying to help them to understand who Christ is there in the first four chapters. From chapter 4 all the way to chapter, chapter 10, we, we read about the, the priesthood. Uh, remember, the Jews understood what the priesthood was and what the priests were for. The priests were those who, who were the mediators between man and God. They, they would go and they, they would make the sacrifices uh, daily and yearly uh, for the people. The, 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 the sacrifices would be killed, the, the blood would be shed, be applied to the, the, uh, it would be applied in the Holy of Holies uh, to make atonement for the people. Uh, the Bible says what, there in Hebrews, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It was the picture, though. Uh, it, it was in the past, they were looking forward to something that was going to happen in the future. They didn't fully understand what that was, but it's revealed to us that it's Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, Jesus Christ is the priest, uh, the, the great high priest. Uh, we see that in chapters 4 through 10. And not only is the, he is the, the great high priest, but he's also the great sacrifice. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says that, that, he, that, he, that he once died for all, and that once, once that that was done, that he sat down in the right hand of the Father. Praise God that that work is finished. We don't have to make sacrifices anymore because Christ was the sacrifice. Thank God for that. From chapters 10 to chapters 13, we, we, we have seen what Christ is, uh, who Christ is. We have seen what he has done for us. But in chapters 10, 10 through 13, we see the pattern of Jesus Christ or the lifestyle that we're to live uh, because of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, really quickly, uh, the, the key verse of the whole book is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Nope, wrong, wrong verse. Where, I lost it here, hold on a second. I had it highlighted, and it's unhighlighted now. No, it's not verse 1. Verse 14, sorry. Verse 14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus Christ, that is passed into the heavens... His work is done here on this earth. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. It's important for us to realize that that what Christ did, who Christ is, and what Christ did should have an effect on our life. We're not what we once were. Praise God! I was a sinner. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Man, I was was lost and unable to do anything. I was without hope. I I had no hope whatsoever. But Christ died for my sins. And he died for your sins. But because he died, listen, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's not some golden ticket, uh, uh, the Willie and the, uh, Willie and the Chocolate, Willie Wonk and the Chocolate Factory. It's not the gold, I've got the golden ticket, I've got the gold. That's not what salvation is. You just get to, it's just this ticket into, into heaven. No, it's a new life. And an abundant life. It's a life that's to be changed from the inside out to have an effect upon us. Hebrews chapter 12. We find one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 
I have many, and I'll probably say that again about another passage of Scripture, because the truth is it's all good, amen? From, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, it, it's all good. It's a, I am thankful for it, but, but I've always appreciated this passage. It says in verse number 1 of chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How many of you like to run? I don't. I hate to run. You like to run, John? Good for you. You keep doing it. Uh, I hate to run. Do you know why? Because running takes work. And it takes effort. And it takes endurance. And I'm, a, I'm good at walking. I like to walk. I'll, I'll walk as long as, as long as the day is. I, 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 there, was one, uh, there was one year I walked 20 miles around the new hospital. I was working for Delta Ambulance and in the back, uh, in the, and I was just bored and sitting around. And so I was like, well, let's see how far I can walk. And I, at first, it was just a, I was just going to get some exercise. But then I'd set a number in my head about halfway through the day. I'm going to hit 20 miles. And man, I just I kept going and kept going. And finally, I, I made the 20 miles. I was so sore, I could barely get on my motorcycle at the end of the day. I had to lift my leg up. I'm like, ah, I like I like to walk. I hate to run. I hate to run. Because when I run, my chest hurts because I can't breathe. Now, I'm not saying I'm having a heart attack. It just hurts to breathe. I, uh, uh, it's, uh, I, 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 get, I don't get lightheaded. My face gets all red. and I start, to, I start to sweat, which is okay. I don't mind that part, but I just don't like to run. But here it says, Paul says, let us run. He's saying, because of what we have already learned and Contextually, he's talking about what we have seen in verse chapter 11, which we haven't looked at. We'll look at a little bit here today. He says, because of that, because of what Christ did, because of who Christ is, because of his work for us on the cross, because of what we have seen others do through Christ, let us run. The Christian life isn't easy. It isn't. The Christian life is difficult, and we're going to face trials, and we're going to face difficulties, but that shouldn't stop us from running the Christian life. It shouldn't stop us. We shouldn't allow those things to, to, to bring fear into us. According to verse, or verse number 1 in chapter 12, we need to learn from those past saints. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who is this cloud of witnesses? Well, we, we see that cloud of witnesses in chapter, in chapter 11, uh, 1 through all the way to the end. It goes from, from, uh, from, Abel, from Abel to, to Enoch to, to, Mo, to Moses to Abraham to, to, to Sarah to Joshua to Moses and many others who aren't even named. Uh, uh, there is a, a great cloud of witnesses, people that, that came and, and, and looking to, forward to Christ, right? They were looking forward to a promise that na- they never got to see fulfilled. Uh, not, not here on this earth, anyways. They were looking forward to that. But in faith, they followed. In faith, they lived. What does it mean to live by faith? We'll turn back to chapter 11 for a second. Verse Verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. Abel offered. Uh, if you remember the, the account, uh, uh, he, took, uh, he was a, a shepherd. Uh, he, he worked with, with animals, and he took of a lamb, and he offered that lamb and, and, and sacrificed it as worship unto God, where his brother took of the, the fruit of the earth, the, the, the vegetables and the things that he grew, and he offered that to God. But God said that Abel, in faith, 
worshipped. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God. We see that in verse number 5. By faith, Enoch walked. Because of that faith that, that, that caused him to walk, the Bible says that he pleased God, and that he was translated, uh, the, uh, translated, meaning he did not die here on this earth. God took him. That's, that's the, the account in, in, back in the book of Genesis. And it says, Enoch was not, for God took him. How would you like to just be walking down the road one day? Gone. Jesus comes back, that's what's going to happen if you're saved. We call that the rapture. But, but I want you to understand that that's what happened. Enoch walked with God. Listen, he didn't see Christ. He didn't even understand who Christ was. But he knew God. And he worshipped God. And he walked with God. And what does it mean to walk with God? It means to walk according to the ways of God. And as God opened up his will and his, 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 his way before him, and God spoke to him, uh, he walked with God. Noah worked. Noah built an ark. God said, the earth is going to be flooded, and judgment is going to come upon, uh, upon this world. All men will be killed, except those that get into the ark that you're going to build. And Noah built an ark. He worked. Going down through, and we won't, we won't look at every verse, but uh, uh, Abraham withdrew. He left his home. He left his family. He left everything behind. And, and he, he went to a city uh, whose, whose builder and maker was God. It was a city that he never set foot in. Uh, uh, he went to the promised land that he never got to obtain personally himself. Why? Because he was looking for the fulfillment of a promise that God had made him that was done in faith. Sarah waited. Sarah was told that she was going to have a son. She, was, she wasn't 40 years old. She wasn't 50 years old. She was really, really old. Well past beyond the years of bearing children. In fact, the Bible says she laughed in her heart when the angels... But the Bible says that she didn't trust the promise, but she trusted the one who made the promise. That was done by faith. Joshua went to war. He marched around the battle of Jer- around the Jericho, and we see, we read of the battle of Jericho. All that was done in faith. I want you to understand that as we look at those, these people that are that are we, that are talked about in the, the Hebrews chapter eleven, they all had faith, but their faith was not just a mental assent or an acknowledgement that God had said something or that God had promised something. It was the, the physical, uh, the, the the lifestyle reaction to what He had said. God said, I will do this. And they said, I believe you, Lord. Have you ever seen a trust fall? Hannah's doing this to me all the time. She's like, Dad, trust fall. And she goes back. And I'm like, whoa, I'm not ready. Why? Because she doesn't think I'll drop her. No, she's not careful. If I'm not ready, I'll drop her. But she trusts me. She has faith that I'll catch her. Listen, God's word says that there is a, there's a, that there would be, at that point in time, that there was going to be a Savior, that there was going to be a Messiah, that he was going to, to come and, and heal this land, that he was going to, to reign forever and ever. And they looked forward to that day. They looked forward to that city. They looked forward to what God had promised them was going to happen. And they lived their lives in accordance with what God had promised. That is what faith is. And there are a lot of people that say, well, I have faith but their lives don't match what they say they believe. James says, faith without works is dead. It is important for us to understand that our lives are to be a result of the the faith that is in our hearts. 
It is not just an acknowledgement of what the Bible teaches. There are a lot of people that will acknowledge that. There are a lot of people that say, I believe that there's a God, or I believe that Jesus died for my sins, but they're trying on their own to earn their way to heaven, or they're trying to, to live their lives according to their own way instead of God's way. Listen, that's not real faith. We're to learn from the past. There was a depth to their faith that caused them to live their lives differently than the world around them. Think about Noah building that ark. How crazy must he have been to everybody else? Can you imagine that conversation with his wife and his kids? Hey, guys, <laughs> I've got a little project. My dad, when I was a kid, every time he said, hey, Rob, come here for a minute, I ran the other way. Actually, I didn't. I wanted to run the other way. Do you know why? Because every time he said that, there was a project that, had to, uh, that, that, that he wanted to work on. Uh, the worst one was one day he said, hey, Rob, come here, come here for a minute. And uh, I walked in the other room, and there he is starting to pull up the carpet. I spent the next four days replacing flooring and, and jacking up the house. It was a really long minute. Really long minute. Can you imagine that conversation? Noah said, Hashem, Ham, Japheth, I've got some work to do, and you're going to help me. <laughs> what are you going to do, Dad? We're going to build a boat. Dad, we're not anywhere near a lake. Why are we building the boat? Because, well, it's going to rain. What's rain? Can you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine his wife saying, Honey, people are laughing about us. People are... You are the talk of the town, honey, and it's not a good thing. The Bible says that he preached righteousness. Right, righteousness. Righteousness. There we go. Uh, he, that he preached righteousness. Uh, he, he, it wasn't like he just ignored the population around him. He was preaching the truth that danger was coming, but nobody listened. That takes faith. And it wasn't just a day. It wasn't a week. It was a hundred years that he built that ark being laughed at and mocked and jeered and, and, and trying to encourage his kids and, and trying to do what God called him to do. And one day God said, it's time to get in the ark. See, he lived his life in accordance with what God had called him and told him to do by faith. Abraham told Sarah, hey, honey, we're leaving. Dad's, dad's dead. God's told us to go uh, to move. Where are we going, honey? I don't know. God's going to tell us. You ever gone on a vacation like that? I've hated vacations like that. When I was a kid, my dad was always wanting to say, hey guys, get your stuff, we're getting in the car. It wasn't something that, that was planned. Maybe in his head he uh, got the idea, but we would just get in the car and we would drive to wherever it was he decided to go. I hated those vacations because we, well, there was, we stayed in some really hotels I wouldn't want to stay in again. But uh, I'm just saying that it was confusing. It was a hard ask, but they got, not in the car, they packed up their tents, and they traveled, not to where they, a destination that they knew of, but where God was leading them to go, by faith. There's a depth to their faith. Is there a depth to your faith? Is your faith, the faith that you have, is it enough to cause you to, to live a different life? The Bible says that we're pilgrims in this world. This is not our destination. This is not what we're looking for. We're looking for something greater, something, something, something heavenly, something spiritual. The kingdom of God, not this. Man, this earth, this world has fallen. It's a mess. Look at the way our government's going. Look at the way our, our culture is. It's falling apart. What's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. People can't tell whether... It's ridiculous. This isn't 
this isn't heaven. This isn't even good. Now, I'm not saying I want to leave anytime soon. I want to do what God would have me to do. I'll go when God wants me to go. Well, Paul said, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, it would be better for me to be in heaven with, with God, but Christ would have me here. And that should be all of our hearts. Our hearts should be with God. And our lives should be lived in a direction that we're seeking God. There's a depth to their faith. There were difficulties that they faced. You realize those, those uh, Jews uh, that, he's, that, that Paul, or the author, was writing to, to uh, he, uh, when they trusted in Christ, when they placed their faith in Christ, there were difficulties. Because their families disowned them. Here in America, we don't really understand that. I mean, there, it used to be it was very accepted to be a Christian. In fact, every, almost everybody was a Christian, and if they weren't a Christian, they just kind of were quietly out of church and didn't really say anything. Now it's getting much more. It's getting hostile even uh, to Christians in, in, in different ways. No, nothing anywhere near what it's like in other parts of the world, or or, or as it has been in times past. But I uh, want you to understand that there are families that disown their children or disown the, the, the family members because they have chosen to follow Christ. Uh, uh, we, have, we have read of some of the missionaries that we support, that that's happened to, uh, th- those national pastors that we support in, in, uh, in India. In, 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 when they get saved, uh, they've left the, their religion. They've left the family, uh, the family, and the family has said, we don't want you back. You're dead to us. In some countries, they would even try to kill them. That's, that's a difficulty. Not only do we see the, see the, the families disowned them, but the, the, their friends abandoned them. When we get saved, our friends may, may, and when we got saved and our lives change, uh, the decisions that we, that we make to, to follow Christ, our friends might say, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm out. It can happen. Your friends might do that to you. Your friends might abandon you in, 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 in your time of, of weakness, in your time of struggle. They, they, they just won't be there because you're not what you used to be. You're different, and they'll blame you. It's your fault. But you're living by faith. And our faith should be willing, should be deep enough to, to allow us, to, to, to strengthen us. To Listen, this isn't why I'm here. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to follow Christ. I'm here to live in faith. Their, their foes attacked them. Back in those days, when their foes attacked them, it was literally with you know, rocks and sticks. And that can still happen in other, in other countries. Uh, we, uh, if you remember uh, Cheru, who stood up here, uh, our, our, uh, our native pastor there in, in India, he was out preaching on the street, just uh, preaching about the gospel. He wasn't uh, yelling about sin. He was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and men came up and began to punch him in the face. And every time, he, every time they did it, he didn't strike back, which would be my, what I would want to do. He said, I love you. Or he said, thank you. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the two. And they punched him again, and he said, he said uh, thank you. And, or, and it happened again and again and again until they knocked him unconscious on the ground. That's an attack. In those days, they were attacked. Paul was lied about. Paul was, Paul was thrown into prison. He spent years in prison because he was falsely accused because he was preaching the gospel. 
Your foes may attack you. People may say things about you, may lie about you. People that you work with that are upset that you're a Christian, that you're, that you're, that you're sharing the gospel. Listen, there may be lies told about you. Uh, you may be attacked, but listen, the depth of your faith should, should, should carry you through those things because you're not here to live this life in a, in a, in a, in a way that, 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 that the world would see as successful. You're here to live your life for Christ. As we look at those from the past, that cloud of witnesses, not only do we see their, 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 their depth of faith, their difficulties they faced, but the devotion to finish. Look, look at one verse with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39. And it says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. These all, all of these, these men, women, and, and children that were mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, and many of their names not even mentioned. It talks about those who were, who were sawn asunder, those who were, who were fed to the lions, uh, those, who, uh, those who were imprisoned. Listen, they all obtained, they all obtained a good report through faith. They lived their lives in faith, even though they never obtained the promise. They never saw Christ. Not with their eyes, but they saw him in faith. Now, we look backwards. Those in the Old Testament that got saved, those before Christ came, those that trusted in Christ in faith, and listen, we're always saved by faith. Abraham was justified by faith. We are justified by faith. That word justified is a legal word. It means you are no longer being charged with your crime. You have been declared righteous. Abraham was declared righteous, not because he was a good man, not because he, uh, he did good things, but because, because he had faith in the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, for we must believe that he is and rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And, uh, so if you're going to sit here and tell me that you have faith, but your faith doesn't do anything in you, I don't know that you have faith enough to, to save you. Now, listen, it's faith that saves us. But if, if there's no change, there's no interchange in my life, if I just pray to prayer one day, say, yep, yeah, I'm saved, I believe, uh, and then I live my life, am I really saved? Because if I read the book of 1 John correctly, if I read the, first, the book of 1 John correctly, it talks about uh, there are ways to examine our, uh, whether or not we're saved. Now, we're not saved by our good works. We're not. By grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But what is that verse 10 that we, we, we looked at that verse last week? Verse 10 says that we have we who've been saved have been created, we are the workmanship of God, and we are created under good works, ordained that we should walk therein. God has ordained, God has created us in our new with our new spirit, with the Holy Spirit in us, this new life He has created us to serve Him, to, to live for Him. Not to live for ourselves. Not to live for this world. We're not to love the world. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. They that love the world are at enmity or war with God. This is, this is not our home. There's that old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. This isn't our, this isn't our destination. We're just passing through, through this place. But while we're here, let's live for Christ. Let's run for God. They had a devotion to finish. Many of these people died, even though they never saw the fulfillment of the promises that were given to them. 
You're not going to see heaven until you get there. You're not. You're not going to have a vision some night of what heaven's going to be like. You have to trust the word of God by faith. You're not going to one day wake up with all the answers and, aha, I know, ah, it's not going to happen that way. It doesn't. But you'll read the word of God and the spirit of God will speak to you and open up the truth of his word to you and, and, and you'll know. Chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm hoping for heaven. Amen? My faith, which results in my giving myself to the Lord, is the substance of things hoped for. Other people can observe the changes God has made in my life. And that's evidence for, what, for the, where I'm going one day. Abraham getting up, packing up his stuff, getting his family together, Lot and all of them, them traveling in, out, of, out of the Chaldees, going to where God had told him to go. That was evidence that there was a place for him to go. Faith is a substance. What do people see when they see your life? Do they see that you're headed somewhere? Or can they not tell a difference? Does it look like you've planted and, and, and planted roots and, 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 and this is your home? This is your destination? Or do you have a devotion to finish? And there's much to learn and we don't have time to go through. We could, we could spend a, a, a sermon on every single one of those people uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. We don't have time to do that. I don't think we're going to have time to finish this, this message. So, so maybe we'll, this will be a continuation next week. But, but I want you to understand something. God has saved us for a purpose. We can learn from those saints. We've only got through the first half of the first verse. Not even. It's, it says Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are passed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here's, I, love, I love this. This, this phrase is in here twice. Let us. Because of what we have learned, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Not only are we to learn from those past saints, but we're to live with a purposeful strategy. We are to have a purpose for our life. You ever seen somebody that doesn't have any purpose? What do they do? I can tell you what they do. Nothing. If you don't have a purpose, imagine going to work one day and not really having any set goals for the day of what you're supposed to do or what you're supposed to accomplish. Guess what you're going to accomplish? Nothing. Unemployment, <laughs> Unemployment Brother Frank says. Very true. Possibly. There's this new thing out there, uh, they call it quietly quitting, where you go in, you don't really work very hard, you just do the bare minimum to get through. Don't do that. As a child of God, please don't do that. So work like you're serving God, by the way. But, uh, but uh, there, there's got to be purpose. Paul uses this, this, uh, this picture uh, of, 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 of a race uh, here, and he uses this, uh, that, that, that picture of sports in, in many different places. And uh, uh, he used it in Philippians, he used it in 1 Corinthians, uh, where, where he describes this, uh, this, this Christian life as, 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 a, as a sporting event. And here particularly, it's a race. 
He says, let us, first of all, lay aside every weight. We're to live with a purposeful strategy. And, and if you're running a race, the very first thing you want to do is kind of evaluate what it is you're going to carry in this race. None of us would, would, would go out running a race uh, uh, for speed or distance even. Uh, uh, none of us would run a race wearing, wearing work boots and a heavy backpack and, 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 and wearing clothes that were way too thick and heavy. You'd want to, the, you'd want to be in the best physical uh, position in your life to do it and carry as little as possible. Right? You, you wouldn't wear boots, you'd wear sneakers. Or I used to call them tennis shoes, apparently that's... That's not what you're supposed to call them up here. I'm from Ohio. I'm from away. It's okay. Uh, they're, they're sneakers. I don't know why you call them sneakers because you don't sneak around where, while you wear them. But sometimes you do play tennis. I'm just saying. Uh, it's, uh, you, you wear shoes that are appropriate to it, right? Uh, you, you don't wear the things that are clunky and heavy. And here he says, he says let us lay aside the, the weight that does so easily. He says, what, what's he talking about? It's a, it's a word picture. It's to help us understand. He says, this life that you're running, this, this Christian life, this life of faith that you're running, it's a, it's, a, it's a race. And you need to run it to the best of your ability to accomplish and to reach the end. And he says, so, so, so take off those, the, those things, set those things aside that, that are going to hinder you in your running of the race. Those things that might slow you. I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong. There are a lot of things that, 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 that we can, as, as, as children of God, have liberty to partake of and to, to, to be a part of and have that are, that are not sinful, uh, that, that, that it's okay. And Paul said, all things are, are, are lawful for me. But then he also said, but not all things are expedient or helpful. There are things in my life that aren't necessarily sinful, but they'll certainly hinder me in my ability to serve God and to live by faith. Are there things in your life that, that could hinder you? I guarantee you there are. Because we all have them. Whether it's, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, the time that you spent watching, watching the news, whether it's CNN or Fox, I don't care which one it is. Whether it's, whether it's a time spent scrolling Facebook or whether it's time spent just doing whatever little things that you like to do, none of those things are necessarily, necessarily sinful. But they can all be a burden, a hindrance. Sports isn't a bad thing. I like sports. I like football. Football is one of my favorite sports to watch on TV. I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch sports. But if, but if your love of sports hinders you from being able to serve God, keeps you out of the house of God, keeps you out of your Bible, if it keeps you out of serving God in any, any way, shape, or form, guess where that, that, that thing should go? Out the window. Whether it's playing sports or, 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 or watching sports, that should go. It could be anything. Anything that hinders you in your walk, that hinders you in this race. It could be music. It could be, it could be books that you read. It could be people that you hang out with. It could, it could, it could be all manner of things. If you allow those things to hinder you, to weigh you down, to burden you, Paul says, let us lay it aside. Cast it off. Because we're better off without it in our life. Say, so, well, I just, life just wouldn't be much more fun. Being a Christian just isn't fun. If that's how I have to live, live my Christian life, I, I, that's just not fun. I, I'm telling you, there is more joy in serving God than there is in anything else. Seriously. 
being able to spend time with God's people, being able to spend time serving one another, and listen, being able to spend time in the presence of an almighty God, there's joy in that. Whatever, whatever it is that, that you need to set aside to be able to serve God better, set it aside. Set it aside, because serving God, Sunday school, I'm glad that you're all here today. I want to encourage you that if you don't come to our Sunday school, Sunday school classes, that you're missing out. And I understand that sometimes we have, that we're older and it's hard to get out the door, and sometimes we've got kids and it's hard to get out the door. I understand that. Running a race is hard. Can I encourage you to come to Sunday school? Because it's a blessing to sit here and, and to be with one another, to fellowship with one another, to be in the Word of God. So I don't need Sunday school, I come to church. The Bible says, and so much the more, we're to gather together, so much the more, as we see the day approaching. Can I tell you the day is approaching? We need to be, listen, uh, you don't have to listen to me preach. If you're an adult, Brother Rich preaches or teaches teaches the adult class, and he does a wonderful job. Our our teachers put in effort and and study, and they they come in ready and prepared because they have a desire to teach our kids. Don't say, well, but I'd like to sleep in. So do I. Brother Rich mentioned the 558. I am rarely up at 5. They call it the 558 because at 558, there is a devotion on Facebook. You can actually find it on Facebook if you're interested, uh, of, of pastors that I know was started by Brother Todd Bell uh, years and years ago, run by another pastor now. Uh, but uh, they, they ask different pastors uh, in the New England area and sometimes other, other, other areas but uh, uh, to, to do a devotional. It's typically a, it's supposed to be a 10-minute devotional, but you know how uh, Baptist preachers are. It's always like 20 minutes or more, uh, about 20 minutes. But, uh, and I'm rarely up at 558 to watch it, let alone do it. I'm getting up earlier now than I ever did before, but, but uh, it takes preparation and time before 5.58, which means you've got to be up at 5. And so what do I do? I get up earlier. Say, but you don't understand. I've got stuff going on the night before. Why, if I, 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 just, I have a hard time getting up to be at church for, for 10 o'clock. Most people have to go to work by 8, just saying. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not saying that it's a sin if you're not here for every Sunday school. And if you're, it's, I'm not saying it's a sin if you're not able to come for, uh, for a service. Uh, once. I'm, I'm saying that cast off those things that are holding you back so that you can run in faith and that your life can be a testimony to those that are around us because people are watching you. Not just people here. So there are people here. Can I tell you, and I'm not saying they're watching you to judge you. My kids are watching you to learn from you. Our children are watching you. Your children are watching you. And the things that you value, the things that you esteem, the things that you make a priority in your life, they see that. And it affects what they make as a priority in their life. I heard somebody one day say, well, you know, I, I, I don't go to church and I don't believe in God, but I'm just going to let my children, children decide for themselves someday. Well, if you don't tell them about God or take them to a place where they'll learn of God, guess what? You've already made the decision for them. Let us lay aside those weights. Paul said a good, a good soldier won't re-entangle, won't entangle himself with the things of this world because it's hard to fight a battle when you're wrapped up in barbed wire. 
And can I tell you, it's hard to run a Christian, our Christian life of faith if we're wrapped up in all this weight. But not only are we lay aside the weight there, we're also to lay aside the wickedness. Verse Verse 1, at the end of it, says, it says, uh, uh, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That word beset means entice us. Enticement is, a, is a, this, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's this idea of hunting. It's this idea of tricking somebody, laying, letting, uh, setting a snare out or a trap for somebody. Uh, the old cartoons, you'd see somebody walking along and, and they'd step their foot into this rope and the rope would grab by the foot and Hike them up in the air, right? Uh, that's that's a picture of a snare. Uh, we, we think of a snare as, as, as some bait that's put out and, and uh, an animal comes in and you're able to catch, capture that animal or, or shoot that animal in, in hunting. Uh, uh, illegal in, in, in most places. You can't do that with deer. Don't put out salt licks. Don't put out fruit trees and sit there and wait on them. That's, that's, that's illegal. You can do that with bear because you don't see them otherwise. But uh, that, that's, what, that's the picture. He says, uh, he says not, don't just let it aside the weight, but the, the sin which easily besets us. We all have sin, which easily besets us, easily entices us. Here's, here's the idea. If you have a problem, if you have a, a problem with alcohol and, and drunkenness, and you know that you have a weakness and a tendency to, towards that, that, that every time that you would go anywhere near that, you would fall into that and, and find yourself in a drunken stupor, guess what? You shouldn't, where you shouldn't go? A bar. Guess what you probably shouldn't keep in your cupboards? Alcohol. If you, have, if you have a problem with, uh, I'm going to step on some toes here. If you have a problem with gluttony, I am evidence of having an issue with gluttony in, in, in the past. And praise the Lord, God's, God's helping me with that. I'm down 60 pounds now. Uh, but I want you to say, if you have a problem with that, guess what's bad to keep in your cupboards? Oh, Twinkies and ho-hos and anything else. Whatever it is, your, is your weakness. I don't even really like sweets. I, I just like to snack on things. But listen, whatever. don't go to the donut shop. Don't go buy cakes. Stay away from that stuff. And when you sit down, the book of Proverbs tells us to, to consider what is sitting before us with a knife to our throat. Not saying you should actually kill yourself over it, but, but be wise in what you eat and what you put in your mouth. Lot needs us in too. And there are too many pastors and preachers that have that, 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 that weakness that they're carrying with them. One of the reasons I'm not doing, that I'm being very careful of what I eat is because I want to be able to serve God for as long as possible. And, and listen, my weight had gotten me to a point where I was unhealthy, where it was, it, was, it was miserable trying to live my life that way. And I would have died early. Now, I don't know when God's going to take me home. He could take me home tomorrow. I could be in the greatest of shape, uh, uh, weigh, weigh 180 pounds and, and be in the healthiest shape I've ever been. And if, God's, if it's God's time, he'll take me home. But I don't want to make things easier for the devil. So I want to be healthy and I want, I want to serve the Lord. Listen, understand what your weaknesses are and we all have them. Yours might be different than mine. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know what your weaknesses are, but Satan does. He absolutely knows the weakness of your heart. Man, he knows uh, that, you are, that, you, that you're natural man, that that old man that, he's, that he is uh, uh, in tune with, uh, uh, easily enticed with, lustful things. So he'll put those things in your path. Pornography is a click away on your, on your, on your computer. Well, I would never do that. 
I, I, I can remember as a child sitting there uh, hearing uh, uh, the pastor of our church get up, and, and that was probably nine years old, and share how he had gone hunting. And while he, when he got out to the tree stand, he found a Playboy magazine. He goes, I don't know why I did it. I picked it up, and I started leafing through it. And he, had to, he apologized and confessed before the entire church because of what he had done. A pastor, listen, it's not just pastors, and not just that pastor, but, but pastors all across our country that are falling, falling prey to, to this, this filth, this, this, this wickedness. And it's not just our pastors, it's the people in the pews. In fact, 25% of women are, are subject, uh, Christian women are subject to the same wickedness. It could be pride, which is just as bad, by the way. It could be gossip, slander, fighting. It could be any number of sins. And listen, we could, I could stand here all day and number them one after the other until I find yours. But listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't need me to say it. The Holy Spirit has already told you what your weakness is. Set it aside. Get away from it. Guard your eyes, guard your ears, whatever it is you need to do to protect your heart and your mind so that when, when, when those temptations, when those trials, when, when, when they're set before you, you're like, I know where that's going. I'm going over here. What did, what did Joseph do when, he was, when that sin was set before him of Potiphar's wife? The Bible says he ran. Paul says the same thing. He says, flee youthful lusts. It doesn't mean, let's see how close I can get before I fall into the sin. It means, I am out of here. Listen, it's not just what I say is sin. In fact, what I say is sin doesn't matter. It's what the Word of God says is sin. But he says, we, there needs to be a decision to relinquish. By faith. Because, because what we're running to and why we're running is more important to us than the things of this world. We need to be willing to set aside those things that are slowing us down. Those things that are, that are, are a burden to us in this Christian life. Those things that are a weight, and a sin. Not only is there a decision to relinquish, but there's a dedication to run. He says, let us lay aside, but he also says, let us run. Let us run. A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. If you never start the journey... If you never start that journey, you'll never cross the finish line. Listen, if you never by faith trusted in Christ, you'll never get to heaven. You're not running the Christian, the Christian life. But by trusting in Christ by faith for your salvation, by placing all your chips in one basket, for use of a, not a better analogy, uh, you're, you're not trusting in yourself. It's not Christ and this or Christ and that. No, it's Christ and Christ only. You've taken that first step. But, when we're talking about running with this purpose, a few things I want to I I think of. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27. Write it down. I'm going to read it real quick, just for sake of time. It says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I, therefore, so run, not as uncertainly. 
You know what that means? Paul says, I run, talking about this Christian life, he goes, I run, not as uncertainly. Have you ever seen somebody who's, who's running, but they don't know, they don't have a plan, they don't have a, they don't, they don't have a purpose, they don't even know where they're running? They're just running? We call it running around like a chicken with a head cut off. Uh, uh, sometimes I watch, I watch my kids and I wonder if they're running uncertainly. Like, they don't know where they're going. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a plan. Uh, a man who runs a, a long-distance race, a, a marathon, he doesn't, run out, doesn't go out running a sprint. Because if you do, you pay for it. And you're not able to finish the race. You've got to, there's got to be, a, you're looking at the pace that you're running and the way that you're running. And Paul, that's what Paul's saying here. He goes, he goes, I run, not as one uncertainly. He goes, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He goes, there's a purpose for everything that I do. Every step that I take is headed in one direction. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be, should be a castaway. Paul says, I'm very careful to make sure that I'm living my life in faith for Christ. Because I'm careful every step that I take, every word that he spoke. His body was temperate, under control. Is your life under control? Is there a purpose to your life? Listen, you may not have a purpose in your life, but God has a purpose for your life. You young people that are here, God has a purpose for you. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not the one who's written your story. Uh, but I want you to know God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan. God, God has an end point. God, God has something for you to do. And whether it's to be serving in ministry or whether it's to, to be a plumber somewhere, I don't know what that is. But I want you to know your life should be following the will of God and the word of God. Philippians chapter 3 Verse 12, we'll end with this. Because for sake of time. This is not as though I had already attained. Verses, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Not as though I had already ta- attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any... And if any in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul says uh, that, he's, that he hasn't attained yet, but he's pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. I heard this, uh, this thought is really what sparked uh, this, this, uh, this message. Uh, I was at a revival meeting uh, this week, and the, the preacher uh, had made one comment uh, during the message that, he, that I had to think about, and he had to explain before I really got it. He said, he said, too many Christians are trying to back their way into heaven. And I thought, huh? He said, too many Christians are trying to back their way into heaven. How do you run a race? Looking forward. Right? Have you ever tried running backwards? What happens when you run backwards? You trip, you fall, you don't run as fast. I was like, what is he talking about running backwards? 
Paul says, I, I strive towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse, verse uh, 2, he says, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Listen, the, the idea is that Jesus is, is there at the finish line. We're looking unto Christ. We're, we're, we're looking unto that. There, there is a purpose. There is a plan. There is a place that we're, that we're headed for and we're to strive for. But too many people are, are going back like this. They're on the way to heaven. They're saved. But they're looking back. And we can be looking back at all kinds of things in our life. Sometimes we could be looking back at what we used to be. Man, the, the, the mess that God saved us out of, the struggles that we used to have, the, 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 those burdens. Listen, you were once bound by sin, but you're no longer bound by sin. But, but we can't forgive ourselves, or we can't forget what God has done. So, so our, our, our mind is constantly just drawn to those things instead of the things of God. And let me tell you, that's going to cause you to slow down. That's going to, that's going to cause you to struggle in your Christian, Christian walk. You are not what you used to be anymore. You are saved. You've been made new. You are a new creature in Christ. Praise God for that. Paul says, forget it. Now, when I say forget it, I don't mean forget it in the sense that you don't remember what God's done for you. Praise God for what he's done for you. Remind yourself of that. But you don't dwell there. Because if you're going to live in the past, you're never going to be able to move towards the future. Sometimes, it's that sin, that past that we that we've been living in, that we, sometimes it's not even just looking back at what we used to, the sin that we used to do, sometimes it's still being wrapped up in that sin that we've been saved from. You've been given victory in Christ, but you're living like you're in bondage. And you can't live in faith like that. You can't move forward. You can't, you can't honor God with that life. Set it aside. Cast it aside. Sometimes, sometimes, it's not the sin Sometimes we look back, the problem is we're looking back at what we used to do for God. Now, praise the Lord that we can all look back and say, God, uh, God, God worked this in my life and God allowed me to serve here and God allowed me to do this. When I, I can remember years ago, uh, there, was, there was a phrase, well, we used to do this. There was a lot of ministries that this church used to have. They used to have a bus ministry. There used to be a suicide hotline here uh, for folks. Uh, there, there used to be a, a thriving, there was a choir uh, there was a thriving music ministry. There were a lot of things that used to take place here. And we can look back and we can remember how, how it used to be. And listen, it's good to remember the victories that we have had. It's good to, to stop every once in a while and praise God for what he has done. Because many of the people's here's lives have been changed because of what happened in the past. But I'm here to tell you, what happened in the past has nothing to do with what's going to happen in the future. And if we're going to live our lives like, well, God did this. I used to do this. I used to serve in the, this ministry, or I used to do this, or I used to do this. Are you, what are you doing now? You can't run living back there. You can't, you can't run your, this, this life of faith. You can't, you can't, you can't serve God remind, remembering what you used to do. You're not, God didn't save you to sit on the porch in your rocking chair saying, Well, sonny, I used to do this, and I, I used to do that, and praise God. I used to do a lot. Praise God you did a lot. But more importantly, praise the Lord he did it because anything that we've ever done, God did in us. But you can't live there because what you used to do doesn't accomplish anything today. It doesn't accomplish anything tomorrow or the next day or the next day. You can't live in the victories of the past you're still in a spiritual battle today. 
There are souls that, be, that need to be saved today. There are kids that need to be taught today. There, there's, there are songs that need to be sung today. There's, there's service to be done today. Worship to be done today. Forget what you used to do and move forward today and do what God would have you to do. We can't, get, walk, we can't run this race running backwards. You can't. You need to run looking forwards. Looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And sometimes you look back and the past hurts. Because there's past hurt. Because people hurt each other. People do. Brothers and sisters in Christ will say something that offends you. The Bible says we're to forgive. Peter said, Lord, should we forgive seven times? Thinking he was saying something good because back then, and Jesus said, seven times 70. Now, he didn't mean 490 times specifically. Don't, don't sit out there with your little thing keeping track of how many times somebody did something to you or said something about you. I've, uh, he's hit number 479. I can't wait to 480 so I don't have to forgive him anymore. No. The Bible says God forgives us as we forgive others. So forgive and move on. Now that doesn't mean you, you put yourself necessarily have to put yourself in a position to, to be wounded time after time after time, but yes, it does. Christ was. Was he not? If I was Jesus, first time somebody said, come down off that cross, I'd say, come on, let's go, buddy. That's me, that's my flesh. Jesus is the perfect son of God. He took the revile, he took the shame, he took the rebukes, he took all of it. Every slap to the face, every, uh, while he was blindfolded, uh, they ripped his beard from his, from his face, they scourged his back, uh, uh, ripped his flesh from him. Uh, uh, listen, he didn't have to take any of it, but he had to take all of it. He didn't have to take it because he was God and he could have put a stop to it at any point in time. But he had to do it because of what he was doing and why he was doing it. So we look back at our past and we, we get consumed with the hurts and we're, we're, we're afraid to, to, to step out in love towards somebody else because we might get hurt again. And yes, you might. Because people fail. People hurt each other. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't love. In fact, we should follow Christ's example and love more. There's a, a poem I wrote many years ago. This is the faithful line the field. Those who kept the faith, those who ran with patience, now watch us run life's race. The course is set before us, the runners strive as one, their focus is the finish line, life's race has now begun. The path is steep and rocky, temptation lies ahead, life's race is full of choices, we must by God be led. God's power to fill each step, his word to light our way, we must follow Christ in faith you see. Until that final day, we'll walk and not be weary. 
nor faint the times we run. We'll soar with wings as eagle toward Jesus Christ, God's Son, for He is standing at the finish of this race that He endured. Victorious at Calvary, our prize has been assured. So cast aside besetting sin, run patiently life's race, for when you cross the finish line, you will see your Savior's face. Are you running your, this life of faith with purpose? Are you running this life of faith prepared? Because if you're not, you will not accomplish what God is calling you to do. Young people, you're not too young to, 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 to make a, a, a vow to God, to, to, to serve Him and to live for Him. I want you to know some of the, some of the greatest kings, some of the, the, those that were used in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, they were young people. Paul wrote to Timothy and told him to, 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 not, uh, to not worry about how others thought of his, of his youth, but to be an example of the believers. He was just a young man. You teens, listen, God saved you. God is working in you. I want you to understand something, you guys. God can use you. Don't look at, don't think, I'm going to be 50, I'm going to do what I want to do, and then when I'm towards the end of my life, then I'm going to turn to God and see what God would have me. No, today, make that vow. You old people. Young to old. And everybody in between. That way I don't offend anybody. Listen, all of us, if we're saved, are to run this life's race in faith. He says run with patience. Run with purpose. Run with a plan. How's your race going? There's a, there's a video I've seen several times now. It's on, it's on YouTube somewhere. The, the, the guy's, I don't remember his first name. His last name was Waddle, W-A-D-D-L-E. He's running a race, and he's being, uh, it, it's, he is way, way, way behind. Like, last place. And so they're not really paying attention to him. Uh, for most of the race, the, the cameras are following the people in the lead. But something happened. I don't know how or where, somewhere along the line, even though he was in last place and way, like when I say way behind, I mean like a lap behind everybody. Something happened and a switch turned on in him. And you follow it through all the way to the end of the race and he crosses the finish line first. Nobody tripped, nobody fell. Something happened in him. Something clicked. And he started to run. I don't know how your life's race has been lately. Uh, 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 but you do. I don't know how your walk with God has been lately, but you do. I don't know, I know what, what the things that you have promised God and not kept, but you do. And so does God. But can I tell you that if you run your, this life's race... If you serve God, if you're running, thinking of heavenly things and living your life for the Lord instead of for yourself, can I, guarantee, can I make this one guarantee you, for you? There is a reward in heaven that you will receive. Paul was able to say at the end of his life, he wrote this, he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. You know what he never did? Is quit. 
We don't have time to go through the rest of the points. Uh, it's, it's 12.30, we're, we're just about done. Uh, uh, it's, it's a warning for us to not quit. Verse number 12 says to, to lift up your hands which hang, hang low and your feeble knees. Because when you're weak and when you're tired and when things get heavy and hard, it's, it's, have you ever tried to run like that? Say, stand up straight. Keep running. Follow the, the pattern of Christ. Today, make a choice. If God's speaking to your heart this morning about how you're running this race, what weights you're carrying, what sin you're holding on to, if God's speaking to, to, about, to you about that today, not what I've said, what God is speaking to you, Set those things aside. Make a choice today. Because our race is full of choices. Every day, I choose to get up, whether to read my Bible or not to read my Bible. I choose whether to, to kneel down in prayer or to, to not pray. Every day, I choose whether or not I'm going to, 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 to study the Word of God, to, to tell somebody about Christ, to, 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 to live for Him. I, I choose what I, what, whether or not I turn on the TV. I choose what I put in my mouth. I make choices all day long. And the choices that I make are, have consequences. They, they, they have results. What is going to result of the choices that you made? You made a choice to come here today. Praise God. What are you going to choose about tonight? Wednesday night? What are you going to choose about tomorrow when you, read your, when, when, when you get up? Are you going to read your Bible or not going to read your Bible? Make a choice today that tomorrow you're going to run in faith. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for... Your word, I thank you for the example that we have of all of those men and women of faith. God, I thank you that for your word, which gives us faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live our lives for you. God, I pray that you would, Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, may we be tender and open to your word, and may you have, uh, have your way with us, Lord. Lord, that we might live according to your will and your way and your word. Lord, that we might set those things aside which are bearing us down. Cast off that sin which so easily besets us. May we live for you, for Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. You hear this.